0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Rob Hollis. That's H O L Y, S S Z. You got it. Yeah. It's been a good year. We've had our year anniversary now since we, we came on new, strong editing. So it's been about a year now. Uh, yeah. We thank you for listening and for your constant support. I, I see people wearing hats, Inside of You hats or wristbands, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's what, we,
1: what we really need is some Inside of You tattoos, though. <laughs> i don't know man don't do that guys if you get a tattoo post it on social media and michael bring you on the podcast geez
0: don't say that don't say that that's that that's not true
1: i mean who knows what i we mean do. we might call
0: you just if you get a tattoo hey, we might call you guys you and, work on getting us some listeners and then i know uh I, I, like tattoo you know, the
1: url that. on your arm Apple. Co. slash inside of you
0: don't listen to this idiot he doesn't know what he talks of hey we got a great show tonight um or today, by the way, um, yeah, well, day, Welling time. and I will be in Boston and Toronto for a signing. And Kristen Tom Welling and I will be in Toronto. For a wow. signing what date is that? In August. August. Uh, sometime in August. And the album "Left on the World's Beautiful Mass" is coming out. So make sure you download that if you want. And uh, we made some good music and worked really hard on it. Uh, that being said, we got some more great content today. Who's our guest today, my friend? Steve Lukather. He was one of the original members. He is one of the original members uh, of Toto. He wrote songs like Turn Your Love Around. He wrote The Tube's She's she's a beauty. He's worked with he worked on the on the yeah, Michael Jackson thriller, thriller album, the whole thriller I used to listen album. Listen to that. I, my dad loved that album. Oh, Lionel Richie, uh, running with the night, I think it was or something. He, I mean, he he does the guitar solo. He does. He's worked with everybody. He's a studio th- musician more than that.
1: Well, but he does a lot.
0: You of... know, he he kind of gets a little annoyed because I think people can be haters on there and goes, oh, you know, this is what you do. He's like, uh, sorry for being classically trained and and sorry for being so versatile. This guy is one of the best guitarists I've ever seen, heard. One of the great guys. If, you, if you've if you never heard of him, listen to this fascinating interview. He's got a, a fantastic book called The Gospel According to Luke. Um,
1: Your ADD is in full force in this episode. Is it? Why do you say that? Every time he mentions a song that he yeah. you wrote, you're like, oh, let's pull this up, no, let's, let's listen to it. it. Let's
0: listen we to even it. played a little guitar in it uh, on the episode. He's... I love him. I've seen I've seen him perform many times, and uh, so much insight into the uh, the, uh, the music inside industry of, of Steve. The inside let's get insight. Let's get insight of Steve Lukather. This is Last Daughter of Krypton on Twitter. Her rendition of uh, "Inside of You" theme.
1: It's my point of view. You're listening to "Inside of You" with Michael Rosenthal.
0: Man, look, how long have I known you?
1: You know man, that's a good question because I how long has it been? We we met at You sp- met somebody else. I think you met my kid. Nope. Before you met no, me. no, no. We met at
0: something you were doing with all these other 80s bands years ago and I came there and you we looked at each other and you're like, "Hey, hey dude."
1: Like, "Yeah, I, I, I watched the I, show. I, I like That was show, a great man. show."
0: Oh, and then I was like, "Dude, I'm a huge it was, fan. It, it
1: threw me off when you had hairs.
0: So I'm a huge fan of Toto, and that was just kind of like we we hit it off. You came over for a beer. I came to see a concert. It was
1: like, well, what it must have been long? If I came over for a beer, it was over ten years ago. It was over I, ten years I quit ago. Drinking ten. It was years over ago. ten
0: years ago. Was when I first moved in this house, which but I moved we, sixteen years ago. Then we had ago. a lot
1: of beers. Then I bet.
0: No, you were you were pretty you were pretty chill. You weren't like even. I think you were at the end of all that shit.
1: Whatever. It's it's my past, but it's still there. You know. Well, you just wrote. Some, you, i
0: was surprised because you're a real you seem like a real private guy I, like i don't know you i know you as in we text funny shit yeah we go out to dinner we talk right, we shit. Hang out, you know? but we don't sit here and go hey man tell me about growing up
1: something weird was going on when i was really young really weird things outside my window and my sister and i have weird memories and stuff like what i don't know maybe you do weird know stuff. i could see
0: it in your eyes
1: I don't know, man. But, it's, but I have a morbid fascination with UFOs. I'll put it to you that way.
0: Well, I Did you see that uh, Bob Lazar and Area oh, Fifty One sure. and Aliens? Isn't that a great documentary? Bob,
1: I was in a Bob when it hit in the eighties. That 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 whole th- I, it's a it's a hobby. I'm not like obsessed or anything like that. I,
0: I think you are a little bit. I think we it, all a hobby are. In the we all want to know I, what's out there. Well, wait
1: a minute. It's very curious. And every day there's more and more weird things they can't explain being disclosed. I mean, it doesn't make math. I mean, mathematically, you know, there's got to be some stuff out there, you know. Then of course absolutely. absolutely the theory of uh you know parallel universes and you know the Mandela effect and all that how yeah that, because of you know as soon as they hit the god particle boom we're supposed to all have shifted and that's why things are l- weird little teeny things like lines from a movie or even passages in the Bible have changed. Well, but how from the way you remember this isn't this is a theory i'm not it's a not a theory, theory but i mean how could we think how i just go down these you know i'm on the road so much you know reading books and doing you know sitting in a room by myself i can only practice so much and then i just want to read and amuse myself with non-musical things you know and i, I find was, these uh, find these fascinating little youtubes that lead me down other wormholes little rabbit you know. holes
0: yeah you know I always, I always think of you as someone like you know, a lot of people, you talk to actors, they like talking about their careers. They'll talk about this, what they're doing. You're you're the one of those guys where I'm like, God, I hate to ask. I remember one time I asked you, I go, hey, play something. You're like, why don't you act something? <laughs>
1: well. <laughs> but it's kind of true. Well, you know, what if you're a doctor? You go over Every time you go to somebody's pad, man, it's like they want to show you the, you know, the anal fissure that's growing. Like, hey, what, what's know. this, Doc? I was like, I'm it's off like, right now. I've got this boil on my left testicle, and I just, would you have a look for me? I know we're going to have dinner soon, but, you know. Steve Lukather, I have to always be on, is my point. You know what I mean? It's, it's
0: true. But, I mean, as a, by the way, Steve Lucas, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today.
1: This is really exciting. <laughs> I'm this sorry, is really, you're going to have to take me to dinner first. That, uh, to yeah, well, I'll do that. And cause me to go off the wagon and feed me full of all sorts of mind altering things so I can never remember <laughs> anything,
0: any part of it. Do you, listen, you are, for people that don't know you, and look, my, my fan base, who knows? When people listen to this show, you are going to go, who the hell is that guy? Well, that's why I, I want to talk to you as a fly on the wall. Yeah, More yeah. as like because then, I know some stuff. I've been look your book. You didn't want to write a book forever.
1: No, I was not looking to do that. What happened was uh, they. I got a call to do a Q and A at the Grammy Museum. Not unlike James Lipton, you know what I mean, right? Scott Goldman, the head, one of the heads of the Grammys down there, really sweet guy, invited me down to do this. I'm like, really, okay. And it's like you know, not t- know, 300 people stuffed into a room. I didn't think anybody was going to show up. I'm like, me? Well, who the hell? Who cares? Uh, it was packed, and so he did one of those things. He he researched my career, and i had no idea what questions he was going to ask. He'd mention an artist name, somebody I worked with, and I have stories about everybody. So I just started telling stories and doing impressions or whatever the hell I was doing. I had everybody screaming, laughing, and my agents from WME came and uh, came up to me and said, "You have to write a book." I'm going, oh, "Holy jeez, you know?" Then it sort of somebody contacted me and that sort of happened organically like that and I said I led a very colorful life I'm not so sure uh, I should talk about all of it you know what I mean I don't want to hurt any innocent people
0: but let me tell you when I started when I read the four cuz you just sent me the book and I'm looking at it right now the gospel according to Luke steve
1: Lukather with paul My nickname Reese. is luke because there was like 40 steves around when i was a kid that's why right Lukather luke
0: makes sense right you've done some crazy shit in your life and that's what this book is like you you, you even said this isn't another book where i'm going to tell you about all i do is do drugs and you're going to hear all these stories about
1: me fucking well it's tons kind of a door. cliche don't you think it's kind of a cliche and that's what this? you say you know, I- it's like you know the clawing your way to the you know to Getting that chance, and you have your hit record, and then everything's great, and then all, and then trouble. You know, it's in But you know you what? Know, basic- the women, the drugs, the booze, the decadence, the craziness. Uh, it's your name here at this point. You know, I mean, some of us were worse than others. Uh, some people were just way on another planet from me. You know, I was kind of crazy, but. I mean, other you, people that were really crazy
0: i mean look you were at seven years old your dad gave you like a, what was it, a keyboard or some shit
1: no i mean i watched i saw the beatles on the ed sullivan show and that was it i wanted to be george Harrison, so i got a guitar and copy of meet the beatles and you were playing from seven seven on Well, the first year was a struggle with trying to make something noise out of the thing because it was a painful guitar which i now have as a have as a lamp in my guest bedroom
0: <laughs> is that true my
1: parents <laughs> gave it to me on my 21st birthday no this is like a mother of toilet seat guitar i mean it was a piece of crap four bucks or something at thrifty right. strings are for four feet off the neck. And I was trying to make it, why doesn't it sound like the Beatles? You know, I'm an innocent little kid, right? You know, and then the neighbor kids uh, had a band and that was an, I over Wow, There's a real electric guitars and stuff. So,
0: were those the yeah. guys that you ended up going to high school with? No, no, no. They were older they were guys, guys that I've
1: probably never seen since. You know, they, they the one summer they rehearsed in a garage, they sat outside and they let me play their Rick and Bacher guitar like George Harrison. It was really thrilling for me. And you didn't get really interested in music really, really heavily till high school? No. I was obsessed from day one. From day one? I was in a band my first band at nine, my first money making band at eleven.
0: How much money are you making? What are you playing?
1: 20, a cover band? 20 bucks a weekend, you know, which would be like making 200 bucks a weekend now. I have a three-piece band. We played really good. We played a whole bunch of songs from the era. Everything, you know, from Beatles, Cream, How many? Hedrick's, how old are you? 11. How many 11-year-olds do that? There weren't any then. Now it's like, you know, that's, Every, considered, that's, old. You gotta that's considered old. Everybody's you got to do two. Everybody's playing. You have to pop out, you know, as a fetus with a you know, little mini Strat on playing like Stevie Ray Vaughan or shredding like the fastest guitar player in the world at th- two years old. Were you already getting like it's that? It's crazy, because, but there wasn't anybody like that then. You Remember, I was living in real time. The Beatles were just... So bands were like... Everybody wanted to be in a band, but nobody my age wanted to be in a band, so I was always thrown in with older people, which is how trouble started in my life. You, know, you put a little kid in a room with guys like 10 to 20 years old And later in life as a session musician, but as a kid, I was always guys, you know, three, four years older than me. And that's a big difference when you're nine... And everybody else is you know, pre-teens or teenagers. Were you Just, smoking
0: pot at 11?
1: No. Were you doing any drugs at, like, no. in your teens, early teens? No, no, no. Oh, no. Yeah, I did that in my early teens, sure. You know, Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill. Boone's Farm, cheap, dude. Cheap weed. You, you know don't
0: what I mean? know what this is, Rob. But, I, but
1: you know, I Rob's I, 29. He has a kid. You know, He I, doesn't know this. No, things. but the you know, first time I smoked weed, I got way too high. Or the first <laughs> time I got high on weed. I tried it a bunch of times. Nothing yeah. happened. First time I I got really I got way too high and then I didn't touch it again until I was like twenty. Really, I experimented with some other stuff, but you know it was really. that turned into a boozer at a young age. Really, already I'm like, Well, everybody or... else would be taking acid, and it was scary stuff to me. So, and we were young. i mean like thirteen, fourteen. Were your parents old kids pretty liberal? That. Were they liberal? Did they just not? Were they, just, they just liberal go and do innocent. Your thing? Well, they, no, innocent. I think they didn't see it. They didn't. You know, they understand. We were the first generation that went for it with all that crazy shit. You know, I mean before it was just booze for the the parents you know going back generations the rite of passage was to go get drunk or whatever we sort of took it to another level there was a whole drug issue, you know the hippies and all that and the music was ours were
0: your parents liberal though were they conservative
1: uh, they
0: didn't really talk about it
1: much man you know they, they just were let like, you, they do were like you know don't talk politics or religion with the neighbors and you know for two weeks a year we would get a little vibe going in the neighborhood and then it would go away. Not like today, where it's you're pummeled every two seconds with, oh, my God, can it get any worse? And it does, you know? Right. Regardless of which side you're on, it's crazy everywhere.
0: And you were listening to, like,
1: Hendrix and all that you know, shit? No, everything was in real time. Whatever new, whatever was new, I was into. And my mom was really young. See, she was a teenager when she was pregnant with me, 19 years old. Mm. So she would listen to rock and roll and top 40 radio, So because she was still young. I was just mesmerized by it. When my parents thought it was rather amusing and cute, but didn't think i was gonna go at the distance you know? i mean do you
0: think you of yourself sort of like because you know i mean i think musicians are you meet them; they could be snobs in terms of like what they like because you're a rock and
1: roller you you yeah, rock i'm a musician yeah, man. but do I'm you not like, a snob at do all? do you like
0: pop shit do you yeah. like i mean what do you what do you like the people wait would go, a second what? Man,
1: i'm the least musical snob you've ever heard I, I
0: love all sorts of music like what what's the what's the music that people wouldn't believe that you listen to
1: I, I, there isn't any music that I wouldn't listen to. You listen to, to Joni Mitchell? I love Joni Mitchell. I had the honor of working with her.
0: Carole King?
1: Tapestry. It's part of the DNA, man. One of the greatest songwriters of all time. <laughs> Go ahead, is, Rob. Is there people you're trying to pick that would surprise that he listens to? I know, I know. I mean, well, it's every everybody, like, man. ever since more like I, Taylor Swift. Taylor or Swift? Or Justin Bieber. You know, I gotta be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Thanks, Rob. You know, Thanks, I've, heard a couple of the, I've heard a couple of the records, but it's just out of my wheelhouse. It's not... That I think is bad it's just that it's. I, it's funny they tell you by the time you're 30 years old, that's really all the new music you're going to be interested in, and you'll listen to new stuff, but you'll always go back to your youthful music, that's and that's every do. generation. that's What I do, yeah, every generation, yeah. Is like that. my, you know, my older kids, like they, they're 90s kids, so that's there. Do they go back
0: to Trev Goes back to like uh, uh, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, sure, Soundgarden,
1: sure. He was well. I liked all that stuff. Like, you know, you, you know probably records. know those guys. Some, some. I actually met the um, the bass player in Nirvana, Chris, on a Paul Allen's boat. Who's Paul Allen? Co-founder of Microsoft.
0: Oh yeah, that Paul Allen. Yeah. Did
1: you know that, Rob? No. He was a sweet man. God bless him. Uh, I got invited on that cruise, but I ended up playing it privately with Ringo. You know, it was, and we were there, and he was there, so that's why I, I met this guy. <laughs> it was a trip. He, he was such a nice guy. Chris is a great cat. And he told me he was played accordion. He started and I thought he was taking the piss out of me. So I said, Really, man? So like how do you you know I've always been fascinated with that playing that instrument. I know everybody gives it a bad name, you know. But there's some badass accordion players. You listen to polka. Some of these cats can rip, man. Rip it. <laughs> that's the thing with you. You I love mean, musicians. Laugh. You love every instrument. Anybody that's a virtuoso in any style of music, you catches my eye because it I know the time effort and years and can you play any can you play any kind of music well, i could bullshit my way through anything you but... could bullshit your way through uh, well, any kind of music. I underline bullshit because there are people that own every you know a certain style of music and i can go yeah i could kind of fake my way through if these guys own it there's a big difference
0: right but what is the most comfortable you feel on stage what kind of music you're playing i
1: don't know you've heard my stuff you know that's that's what comes out when I don't think about it too Rock much. and roll,
0: blues, I started jazz. out a rock
1: and roll guy. You know, I studied music when I was 14. From 7 to 14, I played by ear and just rock, basically rock, top 40 of the time. Which, if you really go back and Google the top 40 of, say, 1968, when I was 11 in my band, and see, the song was every song is a classic by today's standards. Right. And that was just the top 40 that week. So I mean, I got. I am going to be a musical snob and say that I feel like I was lucky enough to grow in the grow up in the best time of rock music ever, will yeah. ever be because everything was brand new. Is anything brand new anymore? No. I mean, is there anything in life? Maybe another planet, meeting another somebody from another planet—that would be something completely wow. But what was the last time you went wow? I don't say something wow. is I brand. Think I- Okay, not the word I but, don't know. say
0: wow, but Rob I think says wow. Rob likes a lot of current music, and he goes wow. What wows you, Rob? I don't say wow about current music. I don't know. I mean, but you, what's
1: your favorite music? Man? Um, I mean, I like like local natives, Radiohead, Father John Misty. Yeah, Radiohead. That's what, no. That's considered classic rock, right? That's considered classic that's the nineties. I love you know the record I love though. There's OK Computers. Yeah, that just was genius it. record. That reminds me of twenty years ago, man, in London. And I was staying in working in the uk at the time
0: now let me ask you so so this book kind of takes you on a journey throughout your life right i mean how many yeah, it's do, a
1: broad stroke man i mean a it was, broad stroke there was, there was 400 pages plus that hit the floor because nobody wants to buy a 700 page book on me they're probably going who the heck is this guy you know they're it's a cute title somebody might pick up the book and go who the heck is this guy and maybe get sucked in who knows <phone rings>
0: Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify. You know I use Shopify. You guys go on the, you know, inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify, I can't think of anyone else that would do this. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase, shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important if you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here have been using it for a while, and I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session, of course, yeah, yeah, it's just it's 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 like And that's why I wanted you on the show, because I think people should know you that don't know you. Because mm. I think you are truly one of the legends yeah. of rock and roll. You are. And I know you're humble. Dude. I know you sit there and go, fuck this, whatever. But people you have worked with everybody. You have worked, I just know um, where all the bodies are buried. That's so <laughs> all. You have to keep me around. True. No, but you're you really you're so humble. I see what, after a concert at the Greek and how you treat people and how you hug people. And you're just a dude. And maybe because you've been through it, maybe in in the even in the forward, you say, What an asshole maybe I would have been if I heard anybody. These feelings. I'm sorry. Well, you're no, because you no, listen, a nobody's
1: you know nobody's Mister Happiness all day long. I'll give you a great. I'm going to give you a great example of this. A lot of people, when they meet somebody that they like, or somebody's famous, or whatever, whatever it is—sports, actors, musicians, whatever that is—people don't realize that everybody has real life. You know what I mean? Like an example is uh, on our very first tour. We were playing, Yeah, Toto tour. In 1978, we were playing Massey Hall in Canada. Our original bass player, David Huggins, had just done Brian Adams' first album, Cuts Like a Knife, right? So he came to the show, introduced himself. We're all fans of the guy, you know, but, but uh, at the time, he was just breaking as an artist. And he came to the show, and he met David Page. And David apparently blew him off. Like, and, and You're a lead singer. Well, you know, totally. 20 years later, I talked to Brian on the telephone by accident. We were mutual friends. And he said, yeah, man, he goes, you know, you guys were cool and all that, but, like, what's up with Paige, man? What was the, what kind of an attitude is that? I go, what are you talking about? Dave is, like, the nicest man he is. ever on planet Earth. I mean, ever. I mean, never a harsh word. I mean, this is the nicest man I've ever known. And this was something that happened life. years ago. Yeah, yeah, and this was, like, 20, he carried around for 20 years, <laughs> Paige. And I go, what night was that messy? I go, you know, Brian, um, Dave's mom, he, Dave came off the stage and found out his mother died. So he probably wasn't in the mood to be high. Nice That's the something? You. People don't know what David he was just going walking through. down the hallway, and Brian goes, "Hey, man!" What? And David like probably just went like, "Not now, Brian." thought he blew him that's off a, they, without perception. an explanation. First, uh, now, You know, sometimes you know, you're know you a famous guy. People come up on the street, and sometimes you could be in the middle of crisis on the phone with sure. family or something. You're I'm like, sorry, hey, I'm hey, sorry. not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're immediately on the Internet. You're an asshole. It doesn't mean anything. To I've you, seen the yeah. new one now. I've seen cats, you know, and I don't look. This is like I really don't. I have my shrinks. Like, don't look at this stuff. It's like cutting yourself. <laughs> but, you know, the comment section <laughs> and anything or, you know any message board or something yes. like for guys like us is bad news you know yeah brian I carried that with him for all these years and i said to brian i said man David's mom died that night I said, and he's like oh man i go he's a big fan of yours brian man you should you should work with him he's one of the best musicians i've ever been with in my life and brian called him up on the phone and flew him over to france and he cut the track with mutt and him what was it uh He's in the vid- Dave's in the video. He's in the big Brian. And now acid. they're buddies. Please release me, or please believe me. I'm right. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> I'm <laughs> old. I, who, are, who are you people? You've worked with millions. You're invisible. Of, you who worked on millions
0: of songs. How could you remember everything? You worked with Lionel Richie.
1: I did. I've worked with Lionel Richie a bunch of times, but I did the famously probably uh, the solo in uh, "Running with the Night," which I was just warming up. Can you bring that up? I go we'll have to play that, Rob. And I go, uh, you know, uh, you know. He goes, here we got a track for you. Do a solo on. I go, what key is it? He goes, hey. I go, I'm going to run the track. Let me just warm up and see what it's about. And I played all over it. At the end of the take, he goes, "Uh, that's it. I go, that's it. I go, I was just warming up. What are you talking about? He goes, it's done. You're done. I go, stop. I go, I played way too much. And he goes, no, nah, I love it. It's great. You're just out of here. Just like that. I was out of there in fucking uh, 10 minutes. Right. How much would they pay you for a session like that? I don't know. A couple grand. I mean, that was, you know. 1985? Yeah, yeah, it was a
0: couple grand or something like that. It's the but, chorus. The, it's the it's the lead guitar towards the end, right? The bridge? Well,
1: the whole song. Well, the, the whole song, but everything.
0: the big. Yeah. in with the oh, Yeah, all,
1: right yeah it's all Yeah, that was like a zero take, because I didn't even know I was being recorded. If you don't know this song, then... Uh, you, it's an old one, you know. Yeah. It's a classic, you know, I got to play some cool stuff with some great people. Hang on,
0: let me hear here just. When's the last time you heard the song?
1: Long time. Really long time since I heard this <laughs> That's <laughs> Carlos Rios on there playing uh, the rhythm guitar. He's a great guitar. That's probably all we can
0: play. Yeah, that's it we get we got about fifteen seconds of each
1: song. Yeah, that's right, because you don't have to Pay the ass cap You, you know, cheap we motherfuckers. <laughs> You know, well, we you've know, you know. already devalued us so badly that we all of us have to spend our lives on the road now. because Dude. You, you can't make a dime on records. You can't anymore. make a dime on records. A million streams, $6,000 gross for everybody. So why, anybody, does, why, why involved, would a musician... Anybody ever involved in the song. Then why would a musician ever
0: put his music on Spotify? Because
1: Same. Tell me where the lo- local record store is besides Amoeba.
0: Just put it on iTunes. If they want the song, they pay. iTunes takes thirty percent off the top. man. Great. What's thirty percent of a of a dollar that for their downloads? Seventy the percent. Same. Make. It's
1: the same equation. It's just they take more percentage off the top. No, no, no. You don't get seventy cents to
0: every dollar on Spotify.
1: If you're well, no, nobody does. If you're if you're a classic rock act that signed a record in, in the label, I mean, I, I went and reneg- renegotiated a fifty percent deal for us uh, for for all digital, but Spotify wasn't really big then, so this thing's kind of taken it over. Napster. It's Napster. It's, it, it's life's, it's the world's radio station, record store, download. It's the only game in town, Right. and there's nothing to fight. We can't fight it, it just is. So what's going to happen sadly is people are going to stop making albums. Don't make a track. You'll cut a tune. That's just I mean, you're assuming people have the time to sit down for 45 minutes and listen to your music you know without interruption like we did as kids nobody would do that not not one person that's young will do that now but people had no choice then which was great well, they had was, to buy an album you know, to because to music a song. but music was everything for us we didn't have you know cell phones and and computers games it was like we either played the music or listened to it we were all shitty at sports we weren't like you uh, we were, we were out look at me i had neck surgeries yeah fun. and, and I, yeah because I, I of, because, because you're constantly putting yourself in harm's way but
0: you suffer too you have you, we just talked about well this yeah before. but i
1: was in a tour bus accident doing well, my job. tour bus accident but you hold guitars
0: your whole life you're always you probably have a lot of shit going on with you
1: when I, after the accident i had to take pain meds for a while because i was on the road so yeah. i had to get off that stuff where are you taking i take norcos for yeah, my neck that's, that's it kind of makes you a little cloudy but it does make you feel good if you for the first week it does, and then after a oh while boy. you get used to it, and then your stomach starts going, Hey, man, and that's bad, sit, bro. That's bad. So, I mean, you know, my I, I, I was under doctor's care, I didn't like go out in the street and do this. I mean, I was like, You know, you got to do this. I had to finish a tour, I had no choice. Yeah, well, we listen, uh, we
0: jumped the gun,
1: but uh, you know, in, in truth, I mean, that dr- that, that drug's alive, uh, and any marijuana product, the, the the CBD bombs are absolutely essential to my life all right well and not and hey, not and you know you have some and it actually helped honest temp it did i just gave you some of this i, I know this every and day. Both, both my right shoulder went because i was leaning on that for for a couple of years because my left shoulder was toast finally it gave out so this one hurts more it's than the left one no no yeah well maybe in a minute
0: just put it on Go ahead.
1: but you know the other <laughs> thing was you know if i if i do take a the indigo muscle relaxer as opposed to the head high because that, I can't, I don't want to be... Can't function. I don't want to be like, you know, Snoop Dogg 24 hours a day as much (laughs) as I love him. Who doesn't love Snoop (laughs) Dogg? Who doesn't love Snoop Dogg? That's a guy that you want to hang out with.
0: Well, he's so high, he's on another planet that you just can't be on that planet with him.
1: He's like the hip, well, he's like, you know... When we were young, it was Miles Davis or Billy Gibbons. Was like these are the two hippest people I've ever, you know, been around. They look cool. They the way they care. They talk the way they care. Their music is cool. Everything about they dress cool. Yo,
0: Steve, grab that CBD. You know, Marijuana more for
1: me. Yeah, you know what I mean. What do you think, Rob? That's great. Thanks. That's pretty good. Hey, do we, man, listen, man. we skipped over. We're something. not paying you ass cap either. Okay?
0: <laughs> Kiss my ass cap. Listen, in the book, I know we go over stuff, but like a lot of people don't know you. How many how many people get together with someone in high school and stay with them for you their whole life? A band. You guys met at a high school in Burbank? No, it was actually An Sherman school?
1: Oaks, Grand High School in the Valley, you know, uh, 73, 74. And these guys were older than you. No, I met Steve Picard, who was in the same grade as me. Me and my bro- buddy, uh, Michael Landau, famous guitar player, right? who we've been playing with together and been friends since we were 12 years old. But uh, we, we went to Grant High School and we heard about this guy Steve Baccaro had this killer band. His brother was in Steely Dan. Blah, Jeff Baccaro. Yeah. Jeff right. was in Steely Dan when we were in had, high school. And then you Mike Mike Beccaro. was playing with Seals and Crofts at the time. His music family. And, and it was David like, Paige wow. was there as well. Page was Paige and Jeff were best friends. And they were working with uh, Jeff would work with Steely Dan, then he worked with Seals and Crofts. And How they, old was he when he's working with these guys? He at the time was probably about eighteen. We were 15, 16, so you'd have been 18, 19, him and David.
0: This is ridiculous. I was shitting my pants. I had no hair on my balls at that age, and you guys are all playing together, and he's playing with Steely Dan, and, like, this is an anomaly.
1: This shit doesn't happen. Well, this, you know, we didn't play sports, bro. We were the geeks that practiced our instruments. But and you guys, I mean... You know, we were, it wasn't, like, really super cool to be a musician back then. But you all were so good it was, at what you, you did. Well, that was rare. New, rock music was still... Um, rebellious now with everybody's mother and grandmother listen to rock and roll. So it doesn't have the cultural impact that it did to my generation. Right. Who watched the Beatles, like aliens landed from the planet Zolar or something like that, you know, and then carried it every day exponentially in, real time to present day musically did you think you
0: were trying to in the beginning trying to emulate some bands that you liked that you think people have a propensity I just wanted doing to that? make
1: noise on this guitar that sounded like something re- that resembled what I heard on the ra- on record or radio
0: and at this time you knew all the chords no and you I mean starting. I was you a
1: sponge were... I mean I was struggling with it for a while nobody just picks it up and goes but you know, if you read the book you'll hear the funny story about my grandmother who was pretty new agey for a night you know late 50s you know in the in the late 50s that goes to show how freaking old i am uh my mother was 19 pregnant and one of my mom uh, my grandmother's uh my mom's mom that grandmother uh has these like psychic friends over which is considered super taboo at the time you know and one of them put her hand on my mom's belly and said oh it's a boy he's i hear a lot of music musician He's he's gonna be a musician small dick yeah <laughs> I had to throw it at yeah, you. The, Come the, on, man. You know, small dick jokes are like fart <laughs> jokes. They're always funny, even as tired as they. You send the them concept. to me all
0: the time. Yeah, I get them from you when you're playing over in
1: Australia. Well, the, my, my other theory is, you know, I never had to really grow up. I know, I most people think. Like, Why should you? Adolescent, and you're always in every all adolescents from ages twelve to eighteen are idiots, pretty much. Yeah. right. Whatever you're into, but see that. Then they go to college, you have to grow up, and then you're going to get a job and get married and do the whole thing. I just skated right through that part where you had to grow up and get it together, and I went right on the road to present day. So my sense of humor sort of stayed about you're 16, still 18, 17. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, let me ask you. So when was it where all the guys, because they, they asked you to join a band. Let's
1: come in. With- well, we had a high school band. Dave and Jeff had a high school band, and then Steve Carl took over the high school band, and me and Mike joined that with our buddy John Pierce. Uh, from Huey's band, Huey's, you know who was my first childhood friend ever in life. Huey Lewis, yeah, who was he? In Huey John Lewis? Pierce, bass player. Wow, that's how total we get. Yeah, it was all Steve you guys, Pagall, Carlos Vega and me, and then Jeff and Dave would come down and play with us, and we had some great singers, and and you started
0: uh, playing but, out, and you start people started you, you started noticing all over the valley where people going, these guys are fucking well,
1: good. Well, yeah, I mean there was no DJs back then. It was like they wanted real live music and they wanted people who could make it sound like the record, and we could do that. We were basically a Steely tribute band. <laughs> In high school. We did all sorts of weird music. We didn't just do top 40 music. Well, who said, hey, let's do our own shit? Who said, let's come up with a song? Well, that was later. I mean, after, you know, when Dave and Jeff did the Boss gag Silk Degrees record, which was huge with Lowdown and Lido and all those, Pitch wrote those songs with Boss and Jeff played. And then Steve McCarl and I joined the tour, because we were just out of high school. Steve was coming from Gary Wright. And I was just. Gary Wright sang the famous song, a couple of them. Yeah, he, uh, he did that tour. What the was the Dream Weaver.
0: Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. You know Dreamweaver. And love right? is
1: Alive and all that stuff. When those records really is- yep. actually came out, Steve was out, at, left school to play Moat Bass with, uh, you know, live with Gary Wright. Did the Frampton Jesus. Yes tour, the stadiums and all. He was 17 How old at the 17? time.
0: 17!
1: Yeah, so it's a right from there for Boz. I joined Boz Band halfway through the Boz tour, Sony or what was then Columbia Records heard that Dave and Jeff were putting a band together and we were going to be in it, and uh, they offered us the big deal around, without hearing a note. That was Toto. And, and that was the first album. You yeah. did, we did four demos, which ended up, none of the songs ended up on the first album. They ended up on this Toto 20 record, and we did some re-records of a couple of things. But um, And what year is heard this? the music. This 79? 76, 77. June 9, 77. Was the first time I I played on a track with Jeff and Dave. I remember the day because when I did the book, I did the research and I had all my old date books. I've kept every year at a glance date book since nineteen seventy four.
0: Did you ever when you go back? Did you ever have tear up and like get emotional? Sure, a man. Lot during writing this book, there,
1: there are people that aren't here anymore. Way too many. A lot of people. I've lost a lot of your close what, friends. Seventy four people, seventy five people in the last two years. Two of my best friends. A lot of musical colleagues. A lot of family a lot of old friends some people just get sick man i'm mean, at the age now where you know it's not just about having a cold or a sore throat anymore man no. there was a, now it's you hear the word procedure sphincter tightening words like procedure and yeah. tests you'll have to come in and we'll have to have a look at that
0: <laughs> i'm oh, gonna am
1: yeah. gonna take this off you and send and it oh, away Mr. Lucas. no i was just at my i'm so paranoid i go to the doctor every two months and I was, as healthy as I am, though. I mean, I I did beat up the frame. You look good. How old are you? I'm 61. I'll be five months, I'll be 62. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, how did that happen? You're I'm all right. The you're all right. Room. I used to be the youngest guy in the room. I don't know what happened. But, you know, you're right. Because I remember like a
0: couple concerts. What's What's amazing to me is you don't, you're one of those guys who don't forget. You don't forget those people in your life that touch you. Because you're playing at the Greek, I think, or the Hollywood Bowl or something. And you get on stage and you say, you t- start talking about Jeff Beccaro. And you start talking about him, and I, I feel, and Mike, like, man. and Mike, and I'm looking at you, and I'm like, it, it, it feels like it just happened, like the way you're emoting, like you know,
1: I'll put it to you really just, simply, and yeah. anybody that's ever lost anybody that they love, which is probably everybody, that loss, you know, you you learn to accept it, but that there's always going to be a hole where that person used to be, and as you get older, that hole, the holes are more, and that's why. Older people sometimes look sad because they don't have, their friends are all gone. That's it you being. Know, I think it's weird now that some of my friends are dropping. I don't mean to throw that away. You know they're passing away. Um But imagine being eighty years old, looking around the room, going, "Am I the last man standing?" Aging is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's just you know what, you what I mean. Know. And uh, you know, I know people that are eighty years old. I mean, Jesus, Ringo's seven, seventy nine in a month. Jesus, I just you know. And I adore that man, you know, and he's as healthy as he can be. And he, he can see 100. I wouldn't be surprised. I put money on it. the way he lives, the way he eats and blacks, and he's just this whole, hey, you know, the way he lives his life. is an inspiration, actually.
0: Yeah, he just keeps going.
1: I don't know how he does it because I feel sometimes
0: I'm like almost 47. I'm like, I can't. I don't want to go take a weekend yeah, trip but to here's fucking the thing. Orlando. You, you
1: know, you're an actor. I'm a musician. I mean, I'm never going to stop playing. You know, people who say, when are you going to retire? Retire and do what? Watch TV? Scratch my nutsack? You'll play till the very end? Well, what else am I supposed to do? There's a guitar right there. I think think, um, the touring would slow down. I mean, I'm doing a lot of it now because that's how we do it. I think I'd I'd always want to go out and play live. I think what I'd do is probably just trim it back to, like, you know they always say when I get older, maybe I might want to live in Italy, overlooking the ocean. You know, change of life, just completely go left field. When my little kids get older,
0: how many have four? I
1: have four. I have two grown, wonderful kids. Tina, thirty-four, living in Vegas, married, wonderful. Your cat. granddad? Yeah, well, I could, I, I could do that. I'm kind of hoping to. You know, that's that's one of the things I yet to experience in this life. Listen, man, when it's my time. I can't be mad at anybody. I've gotten, the, I've had the most amazing life. It's like I put like three, four lives into this one. You know, some of it was a little dark and weird, but most of it was great. Do you get you get anxiety? Yeah, terribly. Do you have you? Do you
0: get anxiety before you go on stage? So,
1: well, I didn't used to, but when I stopped drinking, I found out that that helped quell. The anxiety. Did you, were
0: you, when you say drinking before you go on on stage, I was
1: shit faced. But would you have three or four beers? No, through the course of the evening, you know, it got bad, and I had some really shameful shows. I'm, shameful I'm, shows I'm, where I'm, you can't even play. For, well, just played sloppy and shitty, and then Notice unfortunately, to thanks to the miracles of YouTube. I get to relive some myself watching myself fall down the stairs and compound fractures and teeth missing and eyeballs out. You could watch that on YouTube. Well, metaphorically speaking, you know what I mean? I just I I know I was sick. I was sick. I fucked up. I'm sorry. I mean, I got I got off the track, man. But I'm back on the track and I have been for 10 years. But there was a dark period. There was a good decade in there that was I just was so unhappy with everything in my life and it's hard to explain. I just was so I was trying to Put a fire out and drown something that it was. What was uh, it that I couldn't? It was my personal life. It was everything in my personal life. But what was my, causing that? Well, like what, you know, my mother was dying. And my my marriage was dying, and I was having a baby, which surprised me. My band was in shambles. You know, we were falling apart. Were you fighting all the time? And it was the more like, you know, Bobby wasn't singing. It was terrible at the time. Poor guy, he was struggling. And I was just going, "This is." I'm looking around the stage, Where are my original high school brothers, great band we had, incredible player, all my friends, love them all, but the original thing, you know, where are my high school brothers, they were all gone, and I realized that I just was in a bad place in my life, and I had to pull the plug, because I was hurting myself, and hurting people around me, and embarrassing myself as a musician, not all the time, but I had some bad nights, you know, and those are the ones that get all the attention. And what year you're, so you're talking about when you, you quit? Know, I don't totally? want to put everybody on it. You know what I mean? It just You know, I just as soon forget it. And Some people on the internet, you go, you know, I have my sister go, hey, man, can you take that down. The kid, You're kicking a man when he's down. And they go, no, man, I got too many hits. I'm making money off him. Of fuck him. So they don't care about me. They don't care about anybody. You know, I'm not the only one. There's other guys from my generation who... Went off the railers for a while. Many. You know, and funny, we all quit about the same time, and they're all my friends, and they're all famous people you know. Sure. That had a reputation of being the wild boys, drinking and carousing and all the rest of it, you know? And it was fun for a minute, but then it, wasn't, then it became silly. We got a little older, and it wasn't funny. It was sort of like, oh, my God, really? This guy's still at it, you know?
0: Were you ever at the moment where you're like, I don't even want to be here. I want to drive my car off a fucking cliff. Yeah,
1: I've been I would never do it because I have children, but, I mean, you know, you get to a point where, he bullied, you know. I was bullied my whole life since I was a little Bullied? Kid. Yeah, just bullied by the press, bullied by people. I was always on the defensive because everybody was beating us up so time, I just assumed everybody was coming at me all the time. Yeah. Bad reviews, you know. See, this is what pisses all me off. This this people is... beating you up, and then I get older, and then the internet kicks in, you know. Yeah. Where it's not just one critic in every town. Everybody's a critic. Well, but here's what I playing field, you Steve, know. Steve,
0: I, I, I look at this book, and what I gather, too, from this book is... How much I
1: can see that hurts you, where it's like, look, you said, hey, whoa, whoa. but let me let me book in that with, I've also had the best career oh, I know, ever. I know, I'm not complaining, oh, no, I'm no. not going, oh woe is me, oh poor little Steve. No no no, no 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 no, I'm I, just saying, historically anybody would go, no, these guys got beat up real bad, <laughs> right, but what,
0: what what bothers me when I read this and what bothers you, I don't care anymore, but is, it's you know, but hang on, but you were trained musicians. You were studio musicians who knew how to play music, who could play with anybody, who could walk in and play whatever anybody wanted. Well, and you were getting put down yeah. because you were that good. They, they, That's they, essentially what it is.
1: Well, no, I was working on the Cheap Trick record, Dream Police. And Bunny goes to me, he goes, you guys aren't a real band. And I go, what are you talking about? He I'm said, not Toto's a real, not a real band. Yeah, I go, well, we went to high school together. I don't know how much more real of a band we could be. Hell, you're all studio guys. Like people throw that around like it's a bad thing like it's, what's it what's like I any, wish I like, could like anybody well. could do that it's like I don't think so man it was a different skill set we didn't just sit there and read dots on a paper and read music that was already written for us we'd get a sketch with a bunch of chord symbols on it they count off the song no rehearsal no idea what we were going to do that day no idea what style we were gonna play who we we're gonna play with sometimes we didn't even know who the artist was or anything so we had to be ready for anything we had to create and arrange these spot parts on the spot.
0: Example, example.
1: Okay, example, but okay. Quick I'll,
0: examples. Boom, boom, let's hear uh, it.
1: Mike McDonald, keep forgetting. Take two. That's the record. Take, take two three. is the record.
0: Yeah, take one, take one. I'm not yeah. in love We were anymore. just jamming.
1: Michael was, when, he, when we got there, Michael was, we're going to cut this song right now. And he starts playing the roads and playing, singing the song, and then Jeff Picard starts playing that groove. Boom. And I, th- I believe Lewis Johnson boom, played bass. And they st- and we were just vamping boom. on the intro. Boom. Boom. And then, boom, then I came up. The, dun, 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 dun. I started playing that. First take. Boom. That wasn't written. None of this part was written. And then my, everybody's going, yeah, yeah, it was Teddy Templeman was, was producing. The guy did Van Halen. And I believe Lenny Warniker, another famous producer. Well, I'll play that. And then thing. and then Michael's, you know, then we started playing. We, and then we, we figured out a couple of chords uh what's that part and then figured out a little part and then they cut it and we got the second take was it just like that
0: lots of stuff like and that. do they pay your agents or they just give you a lot of cash in that
1: no that in things we you know by today's standards we'd get songwriters for that but not back then it was just considered arrangement. they'd hire the best studio guys to bring all of their ideas for arrangements which is now called songwriting now back then it was just adding flair to a song that had simple chords adding hooky parts and stuff little things right. like ear candy that's what we got hired to do. were you dinner. excited and we did that every day for you know 25 times a week
0: and you became friends with michael mcdonald
1: pretty much yeah. after that because well was- we knew michael in school i didn't know him because he was the steely dan with jeff right before the doobie brothers before any of his success Pig. Like well at one point um he was asked to be a singer in our band Really, We just joined the Doobies? Could you imagine? It would have been a much different band. I bless the down in Africa? <laughs> it would have been. It, it could have happened. I, I, Meet and, you I, all the way. Well, he he's done that, and we, we we've toured together. I mean, we're dear well, friends. Well, you wrote a song. You I wrote adore many Michael. Songs, I adore that song? Michael and his wife Amy so much. You okay. wrote as so, uh, as soon as my
0: heart stops. Yeah. and he's back up yeah. there. He's, Star starts breaking. Yeah. He's in the video Decent. too. Yeah, dude. I mean, you guys worked a lot. All right, so give me another session, another cool set. People love this shit, and Rob's gonna play this a little lick of it. Another session, you just walked
1: in and boom. They were all like that. I mean, we were expected to perform and, instantly, and no
0: rehearsal. You just went in there and did it.
1: No idea. How does
0: someone not respect someone who could do
1: that? Well, and this is before the machines came in. You know, once people started, the machines came in, then people could make demos at home then it became the horror of beat the demo or you know that doesn't sound like a demo man can you just play the demo again can you get that see the way you're playing that part and it's like demo itis was the worst thing in the world it was much easier to do it when there was just a guy playing a guitar or piano going here's my song right uh when they start bringing in completely produced demos they're going why don't you just use that if you like it so much but the quality wasn't quite there now with pro tools you can there's no such thing as a demo you get a vibe on there, and you just start overdubbing on it, and it becomes the record against that quality. Yeah. So there's a lot of pluses and minuses. On the other hand, it's too easy. You, can, you know, you could take your dog barking and turn them into a Mariah Carey record. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, there's a lot of tricks of the trade. That's right. just, the richest guy in town now is the guys that do the Pro Tools editing for vocals. Here, tune this vocal, tune this. So You, know, you had know, none of that. We had none of that. You can't even know we had to play. Hey, the Beatles cut their first album in two days. Side one, side two. Thanks, next. All those great Phil Spector's records, you know, you lost that love and feeling. Cut on Friday on the radio Monday. That was the record. When they said, let's hear that back, that's the record. So, I mean, now it's you got 100 billion tracks. What's there.
0: the most magical moment where you where you guys are laying down a song and just magic came out and you, and you hit it right away and you're like, this is fucking a gold.
1: Well, there was a lot of moments like that, actually, but uh, one that sticks out is Rosanna. That just really fell into place. It was like, that was another take, too. First one. Take was, two? Yeah.
0: We, well, you had rehearsed it a lot. You didn't no, play we'd
1: never heard the song until the day we cut it. We never rehearsed our record. we just show up and go, who's got a song? That was how we made all the first- That's how you the, made your album. The first 10 records were like that. Wait, wait, wait. Everybody so- wrote songs and stuff like that. David was the pr- primary songwriter at first. He was so good, we just didn't want to talk. But he would encourage us, come on, guys, start bringing some stuff in. And he'd hear us pl- playing to the piano on a break or something like that or- you know, he'd go, I love that. Finish that. You know what I mean? So David was really nurturing to all of us, and J- including Jeff. And, you know, and let's bring everybody into writing songs. Right. So and by the Total 4 album, we'd all we Robbie started you little get, Rosanna. We started filling our oats like everybody is a writer. Like we would put our toe in the water. We we're getting our songs on records, you know. So David was our hero. And he was encouraging us and teaching us and mentoring us into stepping up our game. And that's when Total Four when it sort of all clicked for us you know the first Jesus. album was like wow we get to make a record the other two were trying to find our sea legs. we want to be this we got we started reading our own bad press and getting paranoid and tried to be something we weren't or veered away from what people liked about us in the first place and when we came back to it on total four once we said S- stop trying to be what we think we're going to be or you know we're just going to be ourselves and the record company goes you better deliver otherwise you're done that was rather oh, Really that's how they oh, were. Oh yeah, I mean you would be very inspired when you realize that like, you know, you may lose the dream, you know. I I it, I just can't even imagine
0: going in and not having songs really prepared.
1: We never did. Never? never? The only thing we did is when the machines kicked in we started working with outside writers. You could I'd bring in a, a, a pretty polished demo. So some some Jeff would go, "Why don't I just put that on the 24 track and let me play drums <sighs> to that?" Well,
0: yeah, it just go. starts
1: with a beat. Well, this the original groove of this is a Bo Diddley groove, not this. Really? <laughs> 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 Dave started like that. And Jeff goes, no, 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 no. We were listening to Fool in the Rain and Babylon Sisters. Jeff goes, No, this is what sh- this is where it should be. And he came up with that groove, and we all just jumped in, started jamming on it, and then Wait, wait, wait! Let's write down the chords and get it right. So uh, we got made a little chord sheet and then we started. How and fun was this? Was you having a great time? Back then, you know, we weren't we weren't married. We were just living in the studio, doing sessions and making our own records. And everybody was hanging out. All the studios were buzzing. Like Van Halen would be in Studio One. We were in the two. And, and you knew pretty, Eddie. You worked with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were all we've been friends forever. But every every studio we were in, we knew everybody. And when the artists would come in to be co-mingling. We'd hang out in the in the you know, the group area, whatever. You'd see everybody party with them, come in and dig our record, come in, we'll come dig yours. It was a camaraderie. It was kinda cool.
0: This one kinda just came out, was this
1: <laughs> I remember when Dave played that for me in his apartment in Westwood before the first album came out. He had a spin at piano. He's going, I got this new tune. He invited us all up. And we said, "Well, that's that's you got some shit there, man," and and you just came up with that bam. Yeah, bam, I, mean, well, I was bam, like bam. I was I, you know trying to rock everything up, you
0: know. Always, were they ever like, "Hey, hey, can you just rock a little down?"
1: No, no. But no, no. they ever they have to <laughs> dial you no, down. I mean, well, look at everybody brought something different to the band, which made it collectively when we play together make that noise, you know. Because of the different musical influence of each individual musician and stuff like that, you know, I was the guy that wanted to turn everything on eleven. Jeff was really Jeff and hunger were the groove guys, you know. Page wanted to be Elton, and Steve was the, wanted to be Keith Emerson, the mad scientist. But how do you and all? And then we come had Kimball, who wanted to be Ray Charles. So we put that in a big musical gumbo, and without we didn't never talk about it. Just. It seems like you had to fight because you all wanted different things. No, man, we didn't. You know, we didn't want to work that hard. We want to get it done quick. This is, some people say, one of the best songs ever.
0: (laughs) One of the best songs ever. You play a million times, you know this song. How did this come about?
1: Uh, well, it sort of was a production experiment. You know what I mean? really you're gonna have to pay for this though. you know that. but i'm not gonna make any money so i don't care no we only pay 10 seconds of it. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you guys kill me um it was they had just gotten uh there were steve Picaro and david page were working in uh, r&d with uh yamaha they had to sign non-disclosure lab coats and all that crap back right. in the late 70s early 80s and they were making the gs1 and the csa their top of the line new synthesizer keyboards that no one's heard of and it had kalimba sounds and all these wacky sounds and it inspired dave to come up with the initial part of africa the riff and he started playing the riff and we're going man that's really saying singing before lyrics singing the melodies we're going that's a killer man that's catchy as that's catchy as fuck we should cut that and then jeff goes yeah but let's do it differently Let's let's do loops and stuff, like, you know. What does that mean? Drum loops. And then we'd really make, like, it's old school electronic music. He'd go out, and we work working with Al Schmidt, legendary Grammy Award-winning you know producer, engineer. <laughs> legendary. I mean, he knew how to do all this stuff. We wanted to, you know, we heard about the Beatles doing stuff or Pink Floyd doing stuff. We wanted to do stuff like our heroes, you know. You were
0: 20, what, 22 when this came out? 20,
1: no, I think it was 23, 24 when right, right. did that record. Jeff went out and said, I'm going to play for a minute just record. I'm going to pick one or two bars that feels good, and then we're going to overdub on that. So he just went out and started playing the groove. Dave was playing a rough keyboard part, and Jeff goes, okay, let's use this bar. And then they cut the tape. They recorded on a half-inch machine, and he took that, and they cut it, and then edited it together so that it would be an endless loop of just Jeff playing the groove. And if you hear the record, you can hear there's one bar that keeps going, then we were all playing to that and overdubbing to that. And so then Dave went out and got his main keyboard part out there played the, the the CS-80, which is the part that's the intro of the song, that weird keyboard sound. Well, not weird keyboard. It's a very unique. When people hear it, they go, oh, yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and, and they cut that. Then he put a piano part on it. Then Hungate put a bass part on it. Then I started putting a ton of acoustic guitars, electric guitars on it. And then um, Jeff called his father, Joe, and Emil Richards, very famous percussionist, to bring down all the African weird percussion. And actually, they did that before we started putting all the rest of the stuff on there. And they made it all, built this whole percussion thing. We filled up four 24-tracks with, with stuff. You know? Jesus. It was, it was, and I think it was the first mix to sync up four 24-track machines. They a guy with the lab coats in there, you know, they were looking at everything. And it took a while for it all to sync up. This was like 1981, so it was pretty heady tech stuff Did the you time.
0: know something was really well, special? Well, no, the goes. thing was,
1: we cut this track and then Dave, you know, Dave and Jeff went away with the lyrics, you know, Dave had, it. came back with the lyrics, and we started cracking up, going like, Dave. What? Africa? What does this mean? Serengeti? You bless the rains? Yeah, who, Dave, are you Jesus? Are you blessing <laughs> the rains? <laughs> And we kind of cartooned on it, and we thought, oh, God. The it's wild it's... dogs cry out in yeah, the night? Yeah, I mean, I'm going, this, and we were cracking. I go, this song's a hit. I'll run naked on Hollywood. I go, it's a great track. It's a great exercise in production. There's some hooky parts, but this is never going to be a hit record. So we'll just bury it and put it as the last song of the whole album. And now who knew it would turn into what it did? I mean, it was big back then. It was the number one. Oh, my record, God. One of the Grammys and all that I
0: right? remember 1982 going to Westlake with my family and friends. That song was the that year, the whole year. It was. That's a, all you ever heard. You won a Grammy for that. Yeah. You won five Grammys, right, in your life?
1: Well, um, uh, I think it was, well, if you count all of them, then I was like nine. But I, who's I, counting? I won, when, I won one for writing uh, Turn Your Love Around. Love uh, Around, George Benson. Benson yeah. I co-wrote that with uh, Jay Graydon and Bill Champlin.
0: What about from Chicago? Bill Champlin, right? Yeah. Yeah
1: originally from the sons of champlain
0: ah yes and then you also wrote the tube she's a beauty co-wrote
1: with david foster and fee Webel, yeah talk to you later too jesus i got played on all that stuff too
0: i mean you you really could have, you say you, you're gonna play till the end but you you could have retired 20 years ago you've done so much it's like if i did one tenth as much as you did i'd be like god i'm, I'm a legend yeah, but
1: what am i supposed to do with my life i mean i've retired oh, from being a Disney session World? guy i haven't been a session guy in 25 years would you still do it Occasionally, somebody that I a friend or somebody really cool calls me on the phone. I go, "I'll do a solo. I'll show up." You know, I just did something for uh, Edgar Winter. Do you charge for solo still for a session? Well, I mean, I go pay me whatever you want if I decide to do it. Like I go, I go pay me what you pay everybody. If a good buddy says, "Hey, man, can you come in for two hours for five grand?" No, I mean I wouldn't take any money from a great buddy. I mean, not to say that these people aren't great buddies, but if everybody's getting paid, you got to pay me too. So I just go, oh, pay yeah. me what you're paying everybody else. That's cool. Favorite nation's Rob. deal. He's waiting to ask you to
0: come play on <laughs> No, no, no. He's waiting to ask you to come said, play on his no, album. no, no, no. Our album's done. It's, a, it's not good enough Oh, you.
1: actually me. you made a record? Yeah, I
0: made an album. I always wanted to. I said, fuck it. I made an album. I would have played on your record because you're my friend. I would have done it for nothing. Well, I didn't say it was mastered
1: yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy right now. Catch me on the next one. You're
0: always busy. You're the busiest fucking guy I've ever met in my life. You're always on tour. You're always doing something. You're a good dad. You're a good family man. I, well, I have Trav, a lot. your son is a great kid. Yeah, I love that guy. He's a great kid. He comes over, and gives me a big kiss in the lips when I see He's him. He's doing really well, actually. His band's going to open so ten, good. ten what's, shows. What's the band?
1: ZFG, Zero fucks given, is what it stands for. Zero fucks given. It's him and Mike Baccaro's son, Sam. Josh uh. Divine from One Direction on drums, killer. Uh, Jules Galley, this kid, this kid singer, is an unbelievable singer. And they all look, they have the look. They're young, skinny little dudes. Does he ask you for advice ever? Does he ever say, Dad, what do you think
0: of this? Occasionally. Dad, can you help me out with this?
1: You know, I'm his father. I'm also he's also my best friend. You know, I mean he's thirty two yeah. years old now. It's only like he's my bud, man, you know. I, I I think he was my dad in the past life. He's much wiser. Does he, he, tell he skipped you? all the bullshit I went through and went right to being a responsible? Does he call you person. on bullshit? Yeah. Does oh, you sure. say dad, fuck off, you're lying. Well, yeah, sometimes. I don't
0: always agree with him, but sometimes he's right. <laughs> Hey, listen. I want. I want. I know you gotta get out of here. I could talk to you forever. But listen, man, this is fucking. Rob, isn't this great? This is so interesting because we never have musicians really in here. Who have we had? Not many musicians.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Well, had, I like that. I like that. Well, I'm,
0: you're like really the first we had like a, a younger musician, Andrew uh, McCann, McMahon, McMahon, who's oh, great. Yeah, well, he was fantastic.
1: star player, right? Uh, keyboard player. Okay, he's a different yeah. guy. Sorry.
0: Yeah, but he he was fantastic. But th- like having you in here, a legendary. To me, you're a rock star. So, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just the guy next door that plays guitar. Though. You really are just a guy, but you happen to be a really good guy and a good guitarist. Thank Great you. Guitar. You're very kind. Anyway, uh, thanks to your t- audience for putting t- up my t- t- no, nonsense. Now, tell me about. Tell me about. Let's just jump into this because people want to hear this, the Thriller album. Because I mean, that's like you've talked about it a million times. Yeah. It's in your book.
1: Well, yeah. You can read all this in his book. Well, of course, uh, this is, uh, it's probably the most famous record I played on. Yeah,
0: most famous record. Did you were you excited? Do you get starstruck when you back, even back then? Oh when man, you were we th- got people? the
1: call. I mean, I've been working with Quincy. I did the whole dude album, you know, all that just once and all those. Wait, wait, just once. James thousand. Ingram. Yeah. Wait a minute. You worked on yeah, just me. once. Yeah. Can we
0: find a way? I did that whole fi-
1: album, a thousand ways, and all that. You. One hundred ways. That's yeah, all me, man. All that whole era, Patty Austin, all those great what? And stuff. Yeah. I did all that stuff, and then from that you know, Quincy was going to make the night, you know, it was off the wall was huge. Steve Car worked on that. And David Foster introduced me to Quincy and then Quincy took a shine to me, him and Bruce and I adored these guys. They treated me like a king, man. They were great. And then, you know, being mentored by Quincy at the time, it just, I was 23 years old, 23, and they took me in, took a shine to a little white boy from North Hollywood, you know? And I was, Rod Temperton, man, you know, he's, you know, learning his whole he had a really unique way of making records, and Rod wrote a lot of the stuff on "Off the Wall," and he was going to be writing with Michael for Thriller. So they said, "Well, we want you on." I said, "Q's like, I want you on a bunch of this stuff." You, Jeff Page. Well, you know, he said mostly to me. But the first call we got was to do Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson duet. That was the first track cut for the, the whole album. Is
0: mine.
1: Yeah, we and we got the call to do that, so we were really excited. And Paul, McC- I get to meet my first Beatle paul mccartney are you kidding me paul mccartney and michael jackson i mean there wasn't a bigger session to be had what's the town. first thing
0: you said to paul mccartney
1: what's the first thing I, you said you, know, to I, you? i think i was probably just like enamored trying remembering to breathe because i probably couldn't and he was so but him and linda strolled in and she was so lovely and linda so McCartney. wonderful oh. and they made us feel at ease i mean of course we must have looked like you know, like if, from his point of view, he walked in the room and there's Paige, me, Steve, and you know the cats that were on the right, Lewis Johnson, and all, the, the who, Jr. No, it was it was Jeff, Jeff McCall, and you know we just look at these. You know, we just the God just walked into. The Didn't room. he say something? I like, mean, we must have looked like we saw like you know just the, like the <laughs> Jesus. The look we all like flash frozen. Oh my God! Like we we met Santa Claus. He's real. Didn't he He's say in to you? Room. Didn't
0: he say to you guys? I smell marijuana. Must be musicians. that
1: was later. That was later." Um, we cut the track. We worked for you know. <laughs> he we, worked in that. No, we, no, we worked and we, we were just getting you know poking at each other. We started jamming on "I Was Made a Lover, that Stevie Wonder song, and Paul and Michael and the phones, and we were jamming. It was killing. Made everybody feel at ease, and then. Uh, you know, we played the track and nailed it real fast. And after there, were, there was a hundred people in the room, there was all sorts of weird, Dick Clark and child stars. And Michael was carrying around Emmanuel Lewis like a ventriloquist, tr- you know, the, the Webster. <laughs> he ate like a ventriloquist dummy. He was just hanging over his arm, walking around. They're just hanging out, I'm like am His Webster man. He's carrying Webster around, and we're all in the in the you know, in, there's the control room with all the you know menagerie, and then there was us out in the control room, uh, out in the studio with the gear and just sitting around, you know, we were smoking cigarettes or whatever. And, you know, I think we got the track and Jeff sparked up a joint. And then all of a sudden, Paul and Linda in the room are going, uh-oh. And, and Paul goes, I smell musicians. Yeah. And and that totally broke the ice. And him and Linda, we got this great moment when Quincy and everybody, with Michael, were all in the control booth doing all the crazy stuff with the press and all that, because it was a big deal. It was a very private, super high-security thing. And we were just out there goofing off, being ourselves. And he came out... Hung out with us. We were around the piano, and he started telling us some Beatles stories and stuff like that. And he took us. Sh- he really liked the experience, and he invited Jeff and I to come to you know London and work with him in his movie. And you know we got to hang. You know met- that's where we met George Martin and Jeff Emmerich, and we spent two weeks with those guys. It was- it was- I- this- it's all in the book. It's a great story. It's a long one, but I mean he was my first Beatle I would ever got to meet.
0: Did you enjoy working with Michael?
1: Yeah, Michael was great to me. I did all the stuff on Beat It. That's all me except for the soul. I played all the guitar parts and the bass part. And Eddie played the solo. Yeah. Eddie played, Eddie played the solo. I played all, and all that. Stuff. I came up with the back half of that part. But um, no, that was that was great. And then we did uh, Human Nature was basically a Toto song. Steve Picard wrote the song. That's all it was playing. That's another example of just the song had no guitar when Quincy and Michael cut it. And Quincy calls me and goes, you got to make this song funky for me, man. It's not funky enough for Michael. Human loved, nature needed to be funky? Well, you know, it didn't have the guitar part that's on there right now. That's a kind of glue for the whole song. Right. And there was just whole notes. Da, you know, and then I, then, and then Qu- Quincy goes, you know, do you got something for me, man? I need your help here. And I came up with that part on the spot, and then I double-tracked it, and that's the record that you hear now, <laughs> ironically, when Steve Picaro heard the heard my part, he hated my guitar part. <laughs> Because he never heard guitar on the song at all. And then, and then I put that, it's a very quirky, weird sound. It was a guitar, Schecter guitar plugged direct into the Harrison console with a little bit of harmonizer and I double-tracked it. So it has this weird, unique guitar sound you never heard on anything else because it was just a one of a, one day. It wasn't like you press a button, you can have that sound. We actually created that sound from nothing.
0: What would you, uh, could, would you change anything about the life you've led, life you've had, mm. the shit you've done? Sure, man, I would. What would you uh, not a lot
1: of it. I, I you know, the mistakes. You know. Well, we
0: all make mistakes.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I would have, I would have been a lot more careful with my money. I would have stayed away from hard drugs. I, well, I, look- I would have not have drank so much to the point where I had to stop because it was affecting my life. I, I hurt some people that I loved through through the years, and I made some mistakes. You know, I was in anger. I've said things I wish I hadn't. I can't say, I mean, I got to live the dream and, that I always had as a little kid of being a working musician. I, the dream actually turned out much better than I had hoped. But there's a price. And that price is being away from watching my children grow up every day. I can't ever get that back. So, I mean, you know, I spend a lot of time with my kids, hands-on when I'm home. I'm like, I drive to school, I'm going to pick up my daughter and go to the volleyball game. I'm same fruity dad as every one of you. You know, Any, anyone who... Father, out there, I do the same stuff. And I mean, with the, the, I'm, not, I'm not some big special guy. I go out. I mean, like I have famous friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every once in a while, somebody goes, "Hey, my 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 11 year old's like really, Dad." I go, "Yeah, you hey, listen. These people are nice. They help pay for our house. So we have to be nice to the people." <laughs> do you have a lot of friends? I'm that am flattered, really. I mean, it's not like it happens all the time. Do you have a lot right?
0: of friends that aren't famous? Do you, Yeah. Do you, would you rather my, hang out? A with?
1: lot of my childhood friends like, are still my childhood friends. Still the same guys. Yeah, we get together all the time. Well, not all the time. We try to get together at least every couple of months or so. Who's the famous guy that you
0: really love, you just feel really comfortable with? Like, you could be yourself a million percent. With Ringo, you could be yourself a million percent. Yeah. There's no bullshit. There's just two guys hanging out in a room. You're with Ringo Starr, and you don't feel at all like I have to be someone else. No. It's Steve Lukather.
1: We've become great friends. I I respect and adore the man, and he's... Took a shine to me, and we, you know we hang outside of the gig. You know, I, I heard from him this morning. As a matter of fact, you know, Can we call I still him? get Let's a call kick when I, I still call get Ringo. A, listen, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't get a kick when I see Ringo texting. Yeah, it's me. Ringo texting you. you know, you know I, I like every once in a while. I mean, I go back to that, you know, being that kid watching the Beatles on the TV show. But we're way past all that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as a man, if his it. name was Bob Smith, I go, "This is still the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. I want to hang out with this guy." His wisdom, his humor is just his talents, and his, it's a joy to be around. Man. What about the worst guy?
0: What about one of the worst people you've worked with that you just would never work with again? What's the worst guy you ever played with? Know, I know, He's on a tour with you, and you're like, I want to fucking punch this guy You out. know,
1: I, there are a few, but I'm not going to tell you. You can't because, tell me. Because it just opens up wounds that don't need to be opened up. You know, here's the thing. you know, Nobody gets along with everybody 24-7, 100% of the time. There's guys that you meet, and you go, oh, that guy's cool. And then you go on the road, and you go, yeah hey, that guy's a rub there, man. You know? And I have a tendency to speak my mind. If I People know if I you call don't like I bullshit him. when I see it. Not always the popular thing to do. You ever get in a fist fight? No, man. I'm not. Come on, man. I'm a guitar player, dude. I've mouthed, You never had somebody threaten I've you? I've mouthed off like I got something to back it up with, but I got nothing, man. Especially now I'm broken. What am I going to do? The only thing I'm good for is if I get one lucky punch and can run like a motherfucker, but that's it, man. You our know? drummers, I'm a, I'm a, I'm our drummers, I'm an old guy. What do you our mean? drummers beat somebody up, yeah, please. Our drummers, the usually the
0: craziest. Is that a is that a rule of thumb that in a band the drummers I'm, I'm always gonna, the fucked I'm going to
1: throw myself under the bus and say that I think the guitar players are the worst of all. Really, we were the we were the most obnoxious ones. As a collective, not all at the same time. But right, I right, mean, right. but sometimes there'd be a group of us together. It would be like a Tasmanian devil. Who kept you in
0: line in the band? Who was the one? Was Paige the guy? Was no, Jeff? It was the Jeff. Guy? Who was the guy who it said, "Steve, you got to chill Jeff.
1: out." Jeff. Jeff had to throw a look your way, and you'd know it was, like, it was the big brother look. Like,
0: like you're fucking up, dude. Yeah. Stop acting like a. But you
1: didn't even have to say nothing. He just looked at you, and then you'd realize your own sins and go, "Ooh." Were you ever in an odd, a crowd where
0: it's like 50,000 people watching or 20,000 people watching or more? I know you've played for hundreds of thousands probably, but have you ever played where you fuck up Africa or Rosanna? Oh, out? God. I mean, you rip it apart. You're like, what? <laughs> I just destroyed this. Oh, God. The guys man. hate
1: me. No, man. Shit the bed, man. Absolutely shit the bed. Many I mean, times. a real moment that people notice, not just you, because oh, you notice little things. There's been so many of them. I couldn't count them. It happens almost every night. There's something funny happens. There's so much that can go wrong, you see? The reason why we all love Spinal Tap is because all that shit happened to us or some permutation of it did. And we've all lived it, get a lost backstage. I mean, I'll, you know, you just have to, you know, the repeated viewing. And I got the chance that I got to produce their second record or four tracks on their second record. I'm the right guy for the job. But we went and saw the movie together. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, I screw up all the time. I make mistakes. You know what? If you go to a show and there's no mistakes and everything's perfect, then it's probably the record or Pro Tools going, you know? Because, you know, no one's perfect. Itzhak Perlman, the finest violinist on the planet. He'll bend a note a little sharp sometimes. I'm not talking Even about bending he, a note. I'm, I'm, talking, no, about I'm talking about fucking song up. <laughs> I'm talking about one of the finest musicians <laughs> right, ever right, to walk the planet. Right, right, As opposed to rock and roll guys who make mistakes. I've, yeah, man, there's been some horrible nights and you know especially if i was drinking back in the day it was like no god man it's like watching yourself die slowly and then the comments are brutal i know what it's like to be a pinata just beating on just just bleed open bring bring your baseball bat with the nails in next time so you can really (laughs) dig in there you have to have a sense of humor about this. Otherwise, you kill yourself with a box cutter to your neck or something.
0: What's the funniest shit that ever happened to you on stage? The funniest thing that ever happened, where I don't, just the
1: experience. Well, you know, it's going to be hard to explain because, and it's not even a nasty story. This is really G rated. I want to hear it. It's so fucking funny. No, that's not G rated. <laughs> um, back in the day, when when the the keyboards had gotten to the point where the control, it's a controller on stage instead of the, you'd go see Yes and there'd be 500 keyboards on stage and stuff. Well, you know, as tech progressed, there'd be one keyboard on a stage and there'd be a guy off stage, almost like a second engineer, pre-mixing all the keyboards and stuff like that. And there's some samples and stuff like that, horn sample or, you know, sound effect or something like this. And they're, all the different songs are on one keyboard. And there's a guy there that can touch it and do this. It's not, it's just adding to the sound, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. But it's all the songs on one Keyboard. So we were, we used to have the song called Stop Loving You that we played. it was a hit in Europe. And Dave would do this, beautiful, me and him would do this intro thing to it. And he'd play these really lush chords. And I do kind of like the Dave Gilmore, not unlike the beginning. We were trying to do Shine on You, Crazy Diamond kind of thing, the intro to it. Right. And then we go into our song. Well, Dave's all alone, spotlight on him. I'm in the dark. But the spotlight hits me when I'm supposed to come in. But the arena's is full. It hits Dave with the spotlight, and the controllers changed. So when he played a chord on the keyboard, everything that was on every song all hit at the same time. It was the most amazing noise I'd <laughs> ever heard in my life. And the look on Was it Dave, a bad noise? It was horrendous. I can't even explain to you. It was, was a just, million it, noises it at was, once. It was like you could never recreate it, Ever. Did you shit your but pants? I knew what it was. See the audience just heard this cacophony of noise. They had no idea what this was, but I knew what happened. And the look on Paige's face, he was staring at me cuz he was the only one lit. And the whole audience is looking at him with this and then you know the lighting guy doesn't really realize what's going on. He just goes, "Oh, he fucked up. He's got to hit me with the cue." The light hits me. I'm on the my knees, howling, laughing. <laughs> I can't play. And the whole audience tapes like going Mouthing "fuck you" to me. Play something. Help me out here while they switch the program again. I'm like, so was, what did you jump into? I just played some shit. You know, I'm just you know bottom some time. He came back in. <laughs> no one was the wiser. But that's the kind of stuff. I knew what it was, and it was the most. We still talk about it's like, human. How could we make that noise? This indescribable noise, sound effects, horns, different weird things from all these different songs, all coming off at once. When he's supposed to play a chord, there's no chord. It's just noise. It's like. It was amazing. What a great memory, huh? Well, we had all kinds of memories like that. Any naked girls were on stage? Yeah. A lot? Not a lot now. Were you the biggest ladies' man in the band? I had a moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, after my first divorce, I sort of went crazy for about 10 years. and had a few cool relationships, and then I went crazy again, and then I got married again. Did you blow the- most of, a, lot, a
0: lot of your money in the beginning on, on drugs, coke, stuff <laughs> like that, back in the day? No, I mean, we got ripped off,
1: is what happened. What do you mean you got ripped off? Well, we all were at the same accountants and stuff like that and we were all part in but you know we're also all making a lot of money as session players and in a band but they were filtering money off the top and they commingle our money together you know and, and then it was it, it was a mess so you know being young kids you know given the keys to the kingdom and the money to spend you know i was smart i bought a house and then i parlayed it into another house and but i wasn't saving a lot of money and i was lied to saying oh we got this and we got this pension account for you didn't have anything they were just ripping us off blind and we were too young and stupid and busy to realize what was, what was going on well you look at wikipedia and wikipedia will
0: say steve Lukather is worth 80 million dollars <laughs> that's what it says on wikipedia net worth <laughs> hey, 80 million
1: that's hilarious wouldn't don't you wish you had 80 million yeah man I'm, you I know i, I mean over the course of the years who knows but like you know none i never that ain't my bank account man i you know I, I do okay but i don't do 80 million okay
0: 80 million's really good that'd be strong that would be this has been a real I'd treat, do okay man. but
1: i mean that, that 80 million okay i want i want 80 million then i'll retire okay
0: you'll retire with 80 million
1: if you give me 80 million dollars i'm done you'll never see me again where would you go i'd find an island somewhere probably just let my hair go white and, and uh Sit playing some little band and not grow a beard and never tell anybody who I am and just live the my life out on the beach hanging out with my kids. If I gave you that's an... the wet dream, but it'll never happen. But you
0: know. if I gave you an acoustic guitar right now, what's the one song if you had to play just a couple of licks? Mm-hmm.
1: It our... so, so, you think you can heaven from hell?
0: Blue skies of day. You
1: tell it right? I don't know. Favorite Stone song? Oh, there's too many. There's too many. The Stones were another one. They were like second, you know. Hardest Hendrix song to play.
0: Hardest? And could you play 1983? You give me a pick if you want me to fucking do this. You know, we'll do I'm telling you, man. I've been trying to get you to do this forever. You've been the busiest fucker in the world. People will love you. Thank you for having you. me, Michael. This, did you have fun? Yeah, I did, man. It's always fun to hang with you, Rosie. This has been a real treat for me. This is the first rock star in my fucking podcast. <laughs> his book, The Gospel, According to Luke. This is probably his one and only book that he'll ever write. Am I right?
1: I'm not going to be Stephen King, no. That's not going to happen. I win. Steve Vai wrote The Forward.
0: Dude, look them up. Toto's still playing. They're better
1: than no, ever. I've the, seen really, you guys like probably eight times. It
0: always sounds amazing. Well, we're gonna, always we're gonna know, cool this guys. year
1: is going to be in the last year we play for a while. We're, we've been on a cycle for a long time. We're going to take a line. This is this 40? 43 now
0: 43
1: years we've started the 40 trips around the you know the doing the whole process of making the record doing the tour worldwide we're in year two so october 20th is the last show so uh if you if you want to come see us now would be the time
0: dude go see them trust me i take all my friends it's just a fucking great time one of the best guitar players one of the best guys i know steve Lukather. thank you for allowing me to be inside my brother